It is Encounter with God Time here on The Breakfast Show. You are with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson, this morning. We are going to have another question for our quiz. Make sure you answer it, guys. Very short this week. Only three days to get answers in for the quiz. Lawson, go for it. Who led the armies that defeated the enemies of Sodom and Gomorrah? 0491-064-669. Again, that question was, who led the armies that defeated the enemies of Sodom and Gomorrah? A priest, a prophet, and a a warrior, apparently. But again, that number was 0491-064-669. Our prize for this week, from plant to plate, diabetes edition, turning fresh, simple food into a delicious habit by Tammy Bivens, an incredible book which you will receive and it will enable you to be able to make fantastic food that will bless your life and help you to stay healthy. Okay, so just clarifying that, and just in case you missed what I was saying, that's three days in total for the week. Mm Mm-hmm. So you have today and Friday. That's it. That's it. That's all that's left. Tomorrow mm-hmm. is the uh, Queen's Funeral public holiday. And, of course, on Monday we didn't have the quiz because we were in Queensland with a very much cobbled together system that we were using up there. So, so uh, epic. So epic. <laughs> oh, it was wild. so good. <laughs> it was I a love wild it. show. Okay, so uh, let me see here. We were talking at the beginning of the show about how that, as guys, mm-hmm. We're the best friends with people that we don't keep in contact with, and when we see them again, we pick up where we left off. Totally. We've got somebody. We've got a few different comments on this, and I think it's actually supporting our theory that that's a guy thing rather than a girl thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, this first comment says definitely a guy thing, and then we've got one, another one here that says this. Let me just scroll back to it. Hi guys, I hope you are all well. My motto is a stranger is a friend I don't know. I can pick up and enjoy old friends in a flash. Mm. I have friends all over the world, and I love being in contact with them. I enjoyed your Monday morning presentation at Big Camp. That was probably Robbie Bergen's one, but it may have been mine on Faith FM. How I wish I'd been there this week, and that's from Margie. Mm, Shout out. So Margie is a girl, and Mm. she says that she has friends all over the world and loves being in contact with them. Yeah, I'll, you and I I'll have say. friends. Or we, you and I have friends all over the world. Totally, that we are totally not in contact with. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but at the same time, like I, I could think of people right. And the now. first, the first person to comment there was Raphael. I'm yeah. sure he has friends all over the world yeah. that he's not in contact with, and I kind of know this because I used to know Raphael when he lived in Sydney, uh-huh. and then he moved up here, and we didn't know each other for like 20 years, mm-hmm. and then he moved into the Newcastle area. Mm-hmm. And we just picked up where we left off mm. without even a blink, mm. just like that. I think, you know, we can attribute a bit of that to Newcastle as well, just the promised land that brings people together. <laughs> like, Newcastle is not the promised land. Yes, it is. The greatest city ever. <laughs> this is, this is, you have to understand, listeners, that Newcastle is this city that is destroying the atmosphere and polluting the world because it's a coal port. <laughs> And Lawson loves it so much. He has a map of Newcastle on the his, back of on the my, back of his computer. On the back of my computer. He is a very, very um, patriotic Novocastrian. But simultaneously, I can totally like I've lived in other places in the world, and I could imagine people right now that I haven't seen in almost like, I would say like eight years. I haven't seen them in eight, seven, eight years. Yeah. Who I could just see right now. Like, hey, what's up? You know, give him a big 
handshake hug, you know, that kind of thing. In, in, in young person language, it's called dapping someone up, you know, giving yep. that, that high five hug. And it's like, hey, and, and just being fast friends again, 100%. One of my best mates, mm-hmm. he was a groomsman at my wedding. Mm-hmm. After my wedding, we left for Australia two days after the wedding. Mm-hmm. I've contacted him once since then. We're still best mates. Praise God. It's just how it is. Yeah. It's a man thing. It's just how it goes. Okay, comment here on Molly Russell. And that was a pretty serious story, but depression is probably is the biggest silent killer in the world. Mm. When are we going to wake up and stop giving excuses to companies that know exactly what they are doing in the destruction of so many young persons? And I would say giving excuses to parents as well. Sure. You think about this, and this was an illustration that I brought up when I was on the panel because people are like, oh, you know, at, at what age do you let do you let children have screen time by themselves? I'm like, okay, at any time, while a person is a child, if you give them a hardcore pornography magazine to take to school, that's going to be seen as child abuse. Mm-hmm. And if you did that regularly and if you persisted in it, those children would be taken off you. Mm-hmm. So why would you give them a phone, a smartphone? Because that's what you are doing. Mm-hmm. You give a child a smartphone, that is a form of child abuse. Yeah, I, I think... It's one of the worst forms of child abuse we have. From the way that I can kind of think through what you're saying, because it's ultimately you're giving them access. Now, now that's right. And you know every child is going to go there. Mm-hmm. Now, I might sound all, well, Lyle's just sounding all high and mighty right here. I had children when smartphones were invented. Mm-hmm. I gave my children smartphones. I'm speaking from experience. Mm. I am guilty of this. Mm. That's why I'm saying it. Mm. Sorry, I butted in. No, that's fine. <laughs> uh, rant over. <laughs> we just had to let him get it, get it so out. Dude, you know? I just had to rant. Yeah. Uh, companies know exactly what they're doing in the destruction of so many young persons. It's part of the mm. plan, people. It's obviously working. There is no free speech whenever it's one-way conversation. Their way. Mm. And on the story we had on the theological state of the U.S., mm-hmm. the last day's church will be home churches for obvious reasons. The Sunday laws in place of the Sabbath keeping churches will be closed. Confusion rules Christian churches. That is why God's last call is come out of her, my people. In spite of that, God's people are in every Christian denomination. That's why the Bible says, come out of Babylon, mm. my people, because at the end of time, where are God's people? In Babylon. Mm. Uh, where are we going here, Uh, including the Catholic Church, if people only read the Bible and ask the Holy Spirit guidance, he will guide them into all truth after all. That is his job, absolutely. And on addictions and breathing, breathing is life after all. But breaths, but deep breaths make all the difference. Breathing properly actually helps sleeping properly. Totally. In spite of all my faults, God still loves me, and because he loves me, I can, with his help, overcome my faults and sins. God has an unconditional love for humanity. If the world realized that God loves us but not our sins, most of our problems would disappear, including addictions. The problem of the world in reality is a lack of love. Mm. Wow, powerful statement. Powerful statement mm. right there. Okay, then we've got some, some comments coming here on support dogs. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yes, I think having a pet is a is a is good therapy. Even going to a dog park or walking along a strip where people walk their dogs. We have two guinea, pig, guinea pigs. 
and they have their own characters and ways of snuggling you back. I wouldn't recommend taking a piggy to church. They are definitely little poop factories. <laughs> when someone brings a dog somewhere, it's great, great conversation starters. But be mindful, do not pet a support dog unless the owner says it's okay. As often the support dog is doing their job for their owner. And mm. that's a that's a really valid point right there. I mean, how many times have you seen that cute little chihuahua gone to pat him on the head and he's going... <laughs> like, don't pat me on the head. I don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my mum's dog, actually. Oh, chihuahuas are amazing. I've always wanted one. Oh, my, no, my mum doesn't have a chihuahua, but oh, it's, a, it's just a... That personality. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Gigi, you know, it actually, I think I think it's a hardcore feminist that just hates men. Oh, but, okay. But then it, it kind of, like, grows up a little bit. It, it, like, warms to you a little bit, and it's okay, but then you'll step out of the house, like, and then you can, like, if you're in the house, you can... Pat it, and it's your friend, and it loves you. It'll follow you around, but you'll step out of the house, step back in, step back in, and it's, it's all on again. enemy. But it like loves my mum. Yes, it looks after and my. That's mom. what it's all about. Mm. Somebody, Margie says, I breed and sell Maltese Shih Tzu dogs, and have some amazing stories about how therapeutic and uplifting these animals are to people. Mm. It's so wonderful to watch and so satisfying. My animals are my life. I adore all four of them. Ah, oh, that's amazing. Go for it, Nagi. Uh, dapping, dapping someone up. Lawson, <laughs> please give us oldies a dictionary of explanations that's from Sky. <laughs> dapping someone up. Ah, <laughs> right, Lawson, dapping someone up. Go for it. Yeah, oh, you just walk out. You just give him a high. It's the high five hug thing. It's a high five and a hug at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's like the high five. You kind of come in, you know, do a big sweep through, nice high five, and then bring them in for a hug. It's dapping someone up. There you go. There you. Well, the welcome to the 21st century. Let's go. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. Well, that's what you had to say about the first half of the show. We love hearing what you've got to say, guys. So do give us a call or shoot us a text, 0491-064-669. We particularly like what you have to share about the Bible study. And we're about to get into it right now. We've been talking about Jesus in the crucible. Mm. We've been talking about how that Jesus suffered when he was here on this earth. And I just want to make this observation. The wages of sin is what? Death. Does that specify what kind of death? Uh, it just says death. It doesn't. It just says death. Mm. Uh, does it specify how much pain should be involved in that death? No. Does it specify... How long a person should live before that death happens? Nope. Does it specify how much they should suffer during that lifetime before that death happens? Mm-mm. Okay. So then for Jesus to pay the wages of sin, he had to come to this world. Mm-hmm. He had to become a human being and he had to die, mm-hmm. which he could have done in a day. Yeah. And it would have been a valid sacrifice for our sins. Mm. So then why did Jesus suffer so much? Why did he stay here for 33 and a half years? Why did he grow up in Nazareth? Why was he born to peasants? Why was he holy and righteous and sinless amongst his peers when he was a little tacker running around the streets of Nazareth being rejected by his peers? Mm. Why did he go back to Nazareth and where they nearly tried to, well, they did, they tried to murder him. Mm. 
his own friends and family that he'd grown up with, his peers. Now they're older and he comes back and he's like, yeah, let's murder this guy. Mm. Why did the religious leaders try and murder him? I mean, these are the lawyers and the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The elite of his nation mm. tried to... How much rejection can one person face? Yeah, well. Well, of course, the Bible is the Bible study, I should say, is naturally going to bring us to the culmination of all that. Mm. And today we're going to go to Gethsemane. And over the next couple of days we're going to look at the cross and what happened to Jesus and the form of death that Jesus chose to take. Mm. Because it was his choice. There wasn't any Roman nails holding Jesus to the cross. Could have stepped down at any time he wanted. The thing that was holding Jesus to the cross was you Mm. and I. That's what held him on the cross. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's have a look here in the book of Matthew, chapter 26 and verse 39. Matthew 26 and verse 39. Matthew 26 and verse 39, as I find it here in my Bible, just, you know, using using a physical Bible, it's something that I uh, I do every day here in the studio, but then outside of studio time, I do seldom, because the internet is a thing. <laughs> but, okay, Matthew 26. Yes, Matthew 26, verse 39. In verse 39, the Bible says this. He went on a little farther and bowed his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not my own. Okay, Lawson, do you know how you are going to die? Let's say the time continues and Jesus doesn't return. Do you know how you're going to die? Uh, Producer Shell's going to beat me up for making mistakes on radio. Okay. All right, this is pretty bad. It's, you know, plausible. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, you don't know how you're going to die. No, I have no idea. And you don't know when you're going to die. Uh-uh. And we all assume, we all live with the assumption we're going to die a reasonable death. Uh-huh. We're going to live to a ripe old age alongside somebody that we love and die in our sleep. Well, you know... That, that, that might be a dream in, in your future. That's a dream that I'm, I'm still cultivating in my future. Yeah, yeah you've still got a few things to, to work yeah, on to pull that together. I've got a few boxes to check, you know. To... A few boxes to tick there. Yeah. Okay, keep working on it. <laughs> uh, you'll do a great job. Uh, but, okay, so let's, let's put it in your context then. Um, when you think about your death, you know, we all assume, or you assume that you're going to die of old age in your sleep. Sure. At home. I hope so. Yeah. We don't sit here and assume I'm going to die a violent death where I am tortured over a number of days. Mm. That would be pretty stressful to have those kind of thoughts, wouldn't it? Mm. And you look at people who live in those kind of environments where they are in captivity and uh, on a regular occasion they see their friends who are slowly tortured to death... Mm. they tend to lose their mind and go insane Mm. very, very easily. For how long did Jesus know how he was going to die? Well, basically, since he was 12, 
very much since he was 12, possibly earlier. We don't know. Yeah. But definitely by the age of 12, he knew mm. how and why he was going to die. Yeah, well. And now it's come to that point, you know, the Bible says when the fullness of time had come. He's a student of the prophecies. Mm. The Bible had prophesied exactly what year that he would die. Yeah, because I, I think like you say, oh, yeah, Jesus knew when he was 12. Well, we definitely see that he knew he was the son of God, the Messiah, yes. by the time That's he was right. 12. And you can't know that without knowing that you're going to die. That's right, because the reason he knows is because of Scripture. Yes. That he's he's talking with the, the Pharisees it. and he's, sta- he's yeah, talking with the religious leaders and stating it as such. But he would have just, like, with his level of understanding of the prophecies, what the Bible said, you know, he would have read the story about piercing their hands and being surrounded by dogs, he would have read that prophecy and immediately have you, like, just looked up in his situation. It's like, oh, do they have a way that people die like that today? Oh, yeah, crucifixion. Like, he would have known immediately. Yes, without any divine revelation, Mm. just from the study of the Scripture, Jesus would have known and would have figured it out simply from studying the Bible. Sure. You know, they pierced my hands and my feet. That's what the Bible says. Hundreds of years before crucifixion was invented or mm. even thought of. Mm. And so I don't know about you, but that would be something that as a human being would weigh on my mind. Mm. It would something that it would, would it would be something that as a human be, being I would recoil from and I would try and stay as far away from as possible. Sure. And the human brain is designed for self preservation. Mm. And yet Jesus didn't go insane mm-hmm. with that knowledge. It'd be the worst knowledge to have, the date of your death. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that. Could you do a worse thing to a person than to tell them the date of their death? Mm. It's a date they're never going to forget, and the closer they get to it, the more freaked out they're going to become. Mm. And the more irrational their behavior is going to be because it's like, well, I don't have much time left. Mm. Jesus has had this for a very, very long time, and now the date arrives. He knows exactly what is taking place. He knows what Judas has done, and he decides that, well, it's kind of obvious is what you and I, all of us would do. We need some prayer. Mm. You know, when something like this going on, we need prayer. And so he goes to a really great place called the Mount of Olives, great place to pray. He goes there to pray. And when he gets there, uh, the Bible says, to that the Bible says that it is, you know, he says, you know, and he falls on his face and he prays and he says, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Mm. He knows what he's facing over the next 24 hours. And it's not nice. Mm-hmm. But he also mm. knows what that sacrifice will bring, which is why the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, mm. despising the shame, and he set down the right hand of the Father. Mm. Wow. Just absolutely amazing, amazing stuff right here. Okay, let's look at some of these other uh, passages in the lesson. Let's um, Mark 14, 34. Mark 14 and verse 34, as I find it here in the Bible. The Bible says, he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Okay, that's pretty full on. Mm. 
Keep reading there. Keep it, give, us, give, it, give us down through verse 35. It continues on. It says, He went a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed, if it were possible, the hour awaiting him might pass by him. Yeah, wow. The Bible says that he was, he was just incredibly sore amazed and very heavy mm. in the old King James Version. And so you can see that Jesus is dealing with a lot of suffering right here. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We are in the breakfast show. You're with the WL team, Lila and Lawson. It is time for another question for the quiz. All right, the final question for the quiz. This is a multiple choice. Which of the following was not one of the 12 tribes of Israel? Asher, Naphtali, Zebulun, or Jacob? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. Again, that question was, which one of the following was not one of the 12 tribes of Israel? Asher, Naphtali, Zebulun, or Jacob? It's This one's pretty easy. It is. Actually. This, this one's so we're expecting everybody to take to this opportunity right. to throw their name in the hat right mm-hmm. now. We've given you an easy one because we've only got three days of quiz this week. Mm. Again, those options were Asher, Naphtali, Zebulun. Or Jacob. In fact, you've only got five more opportunities after this one to get your name in the hat, and those will all come on Friday. Mm-hmm. No options, no opportunities tomorrow. Correct. Tomorrow is, of course, public holiday for the uh, Queen's Memorial. Dude, I kind of got a holiday today as well. The university where I work at is striking. Oh, and so it's closed. Wow. <laughs> so I'm kind of having the best week. This is amazing. Very short week for you, yeah. Lawson. Mm-hmm. No radio on Monday, no yep. radio on no radio on Thursday, no university on of Wednesday. Wednesday. Dude, living my best life, truly. All right, so we've got some really great, um, oh, man, we've got some good text messages here. Listen to this, okay? Take some inspiration from this. I have three children. No mobile till they were eight to 16 years old. Had to stick to my guns on it. After that, mobile phones in living areas only while at home until 18 years old. From Suzanne. Shout out. That's yeah. That's sensational. And I hope, like, she's talking about this from the perspective that it yielded a netted fantastic results, which I believe it would. Yeah. Well, it's not going to yield any negative ones, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody says, amen to the message about addictions. Somebody mm-hmm. sending a message earlier through on addictions. Mm. Then this one says, hate to mention that 11 of the 12 apostles did not die a pleasant way. While we might not know exactly how we are going to die, we've been left examples in the Bible as how many of God's people, especially his messengers, will probably die. Mm-hmm. Satan may still, sorry, still may his will be done in our lives. All I ask is to be found working in his field when my time comes. Yeah, amen. And then another, I don't even think about it. He knows best that is good enough for me on yeah, that same subject. That's so true. That's oh, so true. We have that We have that privilege. Mm. We can do that. Jesus didn't. Mm. He knew his whole life how he was going to die. Mm. And he knew his whole life when he was going to die. Mm. That's a massive burden for somebody to carry around, and Jesus carried it for us. We often think about the suffering of Jesus. We think about the cross. We think about the physical pain, and we don't think about the emotional pain Mm. of how that was something that he knew about beforehand. He knew about it from the foundation of the world. He has known about this. Mm. You know, wouldn't it be be just amazing? Wouldn't it just be absolutely amazing for God 
once it's all over. Mm. And we can just breathe that massive (sighs) sigh of relief. It's done. That was painful, but it's done. Mm. You know, this is the ultimate example of delayed gratification right here where God has delayed his gratification because he could cut it shorter Mm -hmm. and risk it coming back or see it through to the bitter end and be absolutely sure it's never coming back. That's right. And I again, from, I, I mentioned this yesterday, but again, from the perspective of God being someone who is just completely, in, Jesus being someone who is just completely and utterly innocent by going through yes. such hardship and such pain. Like he, he truly, out of everyone, he is the one who truly did not deserve it. But it makes my mind immediately goes to Hebrews chapter 12. I just love Hebrews chapter 12. I think of verse 2 and 3 where it's, yeah, let's read you it. know, as it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Mm-hmm. And so reflecting on some of the text messages that have come through, they're like, oh, well, you know, maybe it's just not important to consider or think about it because God's got us. And and I feel like, and, and also mentioning like the, how the disciples all died terrible deaths. But again, reflecting on, well, who was the most innocent and then went on to die the worst death? That was Jesus, truly. And it's like, be, because of that, Consider him who went through such hostility at the hand of sinners, lest you become weary in your souls. It's like, hey, we, if we are truly following God, we can end up in all different situations. But there is a very high possibility and chance, as there has been throughout all ages, that true followers of God have a really tough time and can end up dying really, really terrible ways and going through terrible hardship as a result of following God. And so, but hey, if we consider Jesus, it's like ultimately, he he did it for us. So therefore, and this is this is why he did it for us. He didn't do it for our salvation. We need to remember that the suffering was not for our salvation. The death was. Mm. The suffering was for our friendship. Mm. It's so that we could never be in a situation where we could stand there and say, "God, you have no idea what I'm going through right now." Yeah, wow. You can't relate to me in any way. You can't relate to my experience. Because whatever experience we're going through, and truly Christians have gone through some really horrific experiences, mm. Jesus can stand there right beside us, place his arm around us and say, I've been through this. Mm. I've been through worse. Mm-hmm. I got through it. And I can get you through this. Mm-hmm. It's something that is mind-boggling when you think about it because when Jesus died on Calvary, his death ensured that he got to be friends with us for eternity. Mm. And all he had to do, as I said earlier, was just come here and live for a day, die, and then go again. The problem is solved. The penalty is paid. Mm. And that would ensure our friendship for eternity. And we live on average about a 70-year lifespan. That's about our average worldwide. Mm-hmm. You know, in Australia, we definitely live longer than that, uh, but in other countries, we live shorter. So, but, so on, on average, we live about 70 years. 70 years in the context of eternity is like nothing. Mm-hmm. It's like a blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. 
Why would Jesus be concerned about that 70 years when he gets us for eternity? Mm. But Jesus is like, no, I'm not satisfied with just having you for eternity. I want to be friends with you for that blink of an eye that lasts for about 70 years. I want to be friends with you for that part as well. Wow. Not satisfied with eternity. Mm. Wants every little bit of being our friend. Mm. And this is why you know, we often say, oh, Jesus died for our salvation. Jesus actually died for our friendship. Yeah. That's why Jesus died. Salvation is necessary. Part of that, but the real reason why Jesus died was our friendship. Without mm. salvation, of course, you lose your friendship because you're dead. But, yeah, that's right. Um, the real motivation behind why Jesus gave his life on Calvary was so that he could be friends with us throughout eternity, and the reason why he suffered when he was here on this earth was so that he could be friends with us right now in our suffering. Mm. What's interesting is that Jesus didn't come down and just sort of end suffering, like flick the switch, oh, suffering's over, it doesn't end anymore. We all wish he did. Mm. But that would not have ended sin. It would have created an environment in which sin would come back again. Oof, yeah. So he doesn't end suffering. Instead, he suffers. Yes. Alongside us, mm. unnecessarily, because he loves us. Let's listen to John Thurlow with For You. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And seeing as is 8.48 in the morning, I trust that you're all well awake. Uh, however, we are going to have answers for our quiz yet right now and find out just how awake you were. All right, the answers for the quiz. It was what what had happened to the seven sons of Skeva after they attempted to cast out a demon unsuccessfully. They fled. They run off. Not wearing any clothes. So they're in a bit of a difficult situation. Compromised situation. <laughs> it was in Psalm 91 where it says, A thousand shall fall at your side. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons slash children of God. Yes. I was so close to saying that so many times because of that song, you know. Yes. Behold, what matter? Dude, it's just mm. rolling off the tongue. Who led the armies that defeated the enemies of Sodom and Gomorrah? That was Abraham. He he was getting it done. And then finally, which of the following was not one of the 12 tribes? It was Jacob because Jacob is Israel. <laughs> he is the father of all of them. He is the father of all the tribes. So good job to all those who got questions correct, got entries for the quiz. But right now it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle, the question is, did God make hell or did man? That one comes from Greg. Okay. The answer to that question is no one. Because it doesn't exist yet. Okay, so all we're going to look at is uh, what the Bible says about this. Um, and But, of course, we need to find out when hell does exist, who makes it. And to do so, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 13, where in verse uh, 24, the Bible says, Another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. And while men slept, his enemy came and sowed weeds amongst the wheat and went his way. And when the blade sprung up and brought forth fruit... Then appeared the weeds as well. So the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, did you know that we did, didn't you know that we sowed good seed in the field? From where then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Will you then that we go and gather them up? And he said, No, 
Lest while you gather up the weeds, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together till the harvest. In the time of the harvest, I will say to my reapers, gather first the weeds and bind them into bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And a little bit further on, Jesus explains what this parable is actually all about. Uh, if we go down to them, uh, verse 36, Jesus sent the multitude away. Um, his disciples came to him and says, Tell us about the parable of the, of the weeds in the field. And he answered and said to them, The good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. Mm. Did you catch that right there? The Bible says the harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. That's what the Bible says. The Son of Man will send forth his angels. They shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those that do iniquity and throw them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous shall shine forth as the Son in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So this is what the Bible very, very clearly says about hellfire. The Bible says that there is a hell to shun and a heaven to win. That's very clear. The second thing is the Bible is equally clear that hell does not take place right now. It is not happening right now. There is no place called hell right now. There is no one burning in hell right now. Imagine how unjust that would be. Someone who's burnt since the time of Adam, 6,000 years longer than the worst of our criminals today. We who are innately wicked by nature already know that that's not just. Mm. Then... uh, You've got, okay, so hell doesn't exist right now. The Bible very clearly says that hell does not exist until the end of the world. And you find this if you go over to Revelation chapter 20. Let me flick over there very quickly. And we're going to go down a few verses where the Bible describes hellfire. It says, when the thousand years are expired, that's the millennium, Satan will be let free from his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations which are on the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil was thrown into the lake of fire, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever. Mm. Okay, so what we have here is a very simple description of when hellfire takes place. It takes place at the end of the thousand years on the surface of the earth around the new Jerusalem. There is Mm. no hellfire yet, but the Bible says it is fire coming down from God out of heaven. And so if you want to know who creates it and where it is, the Bible says that God makes hellfire and it is at the end of time. And as you go through this day, do not forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. For being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.